I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host tonight for another Premier League show. With me tonight, we've got Jamie. How are you, Jamie? I'm good, Mason. Thank you very much for having me back. Top man, mate. And also Colin. How are you, Colin? Um, I'm good, Mason. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming on. Um, as always, so much to get through with another busy weekend in the Premier League. Um I think it had, it had it all again this weekend. Boys, I'll, I'll, Jamie, I'll, I'll come straight away to, to the Liverpool game because I know you, you obviously love, love talking about your team, but um, it, was, it was game of the weekend for me. Um, it's, it, was a, it was a really good game of football. Um, finished, obviously, Ars- uh, Liverpool 2, Arsenal 2. Arsenal come out the traps early doors. Um, absolutely, absolutely flying. And I've got to be honest, when it went 2-0, I said they're going to run away with it here. But... Um, <coughs> Liverpool responded, and for me, the turning point was uh, Xhaka, when him and Trent Alexander had a little bit of uh, a little bit of, of handbags, but it just blew up, and, and the crowd got on his back. And then we see a Liverpool team um, that 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 we, you know we that that's what they're capable of. They they completely turned it uh, and should have won it in the end. But uh, what did you make of this one on Sunday? Yeah, um, going into the game. I'm not going to lie, I wasn't exactly hopeful um, because of obviously recent results. Um, I knew we would score, but it's probably more, was it damage limitation or was it, I didn't think we'd come away with the three points. Um, we started pretty positive, but I think it lasted about two minutes. Arsenal decided to start playing the ball about. And, um, you know, let, let, let's not be mistaken. Liverpool or not, Arsenal probably would have done that first twenty minutes against ninety percent of the, of the Premier League teams as a, you know as an opening when they were in that kind of form. 
I said to you at the beginning when we started doing this, I'm absolutely a massive fan of Saka, and he he just creates so much, and he's so young. Um, and but and Martinelli's the one that's kind of stall, stealing the show a little bit. Um, Arsenal were top draw. Um, that first goal, a couple of indecisive decisions from the defenders, but to even get in those positions and run through um, was was commendable. We forget how young that forward line actually is. Um, it actually reminded me of Liverpool two years ago. Liverpool two years ago were blowing teams away from the first 20 minutes of games, but then were like winning games 3-2 or something. It was like allowing other teams getting back in. That was very much, pretty much what happened on Sunday. Um, Trent showed probably the most passion in that exchange with Xhaka that he probably has done in the last two years. And that's not a discredit to the lad. It just, he, he has this laboured look about him when he when he's defending. Um, he's always smiling, but he was, you know, he... he, he you could tell his his panties were in a twist over that challenge, um, and the fact him it kind of ignited everybody. Um, I think we scored two minutes later um, from Curtis Jones making a dash into the box and uh, Henderson making a slip and Matt Salah coming at the back post. So going in at half time two one, you then start to believe and you think right. However. If you remember the City game and the Real Madrid game, we kind of got ourselves back into those games only to come out and let them score within the first 60 seconds and blow us away. So once the first 60 seconds were away and you realise that actually the, the crowd was still up, the, the players were still in the mood, the second goal for me was inevitable. Um, it just came probably 10 minutes too late. Um, you know, but... I was more impressed with the fact it was Bobby that got the equaliser because his record now against Arsenal, um, I think that was his 11th goal against Arsenal for Liverpool. Um, it shows what we're going to miss when he does leave at the end of the season because he's, he is, in his own right, a top-quality player. Um, just the way Liverpool play, he probably doesn't start the games because what he likes to do is he likes to play the defensive side of being a striker. He comes deep, collects the ball, plays people in. Whereas Liverpool's forward three, you, you know, when you'll think of their forward three now, it's always about running in behind, running, running, you know, head on with the ball. So he's opted to leave, and it's going to be an absolute crying shame. Um, but yeah, it was good to it was good to see the guys fight back. We we should have snatched it. Um, Salah's penalty again, you know, cost us in the long run. But Canati on the ninety, whatever six minute, I think it was, how his chest in a ball, a yard out, rather than sticking his head on it or sticking a knee on it or something. Of all the things to do, he stuck his left tit on it, um, and you know Ramsdale somehow palms that away. But it is what it is. I would probably, you know, a lot of people will say that we we actually should have won that game, and I would totally agree. However, if you go back three weeks. We had City, um, Chelsea and Arsenal back-to-back to come away with two points. I'm actually quite happy with because, you know, yes, we took a scalping off Man City, but to come away with two draws from an inconsistent Chelsea and, a, you know, a, a high-flying Arsenal, I'm more trying to take the positives away from it than anything else. So, uh, pleasantly happy. And I think I mentioned to you before, Thankful it wasn't a half twelve kickoff, or else it probably would have put me in a stinker for the rest of the weekend. But um, yeah, it was it was a bit time we put in a performance like that. Yeah, no, funny you say that about the half twelve kickoff. I remember you saying it to me. I went on last week, but before the Man City game, I looked at it and I put Man City up early <laughs> bet, mate. I was like, they're a banker, um, so I, I remember that. But but Colin on an Arsenal side, then um, they're winless in their last ten visits to Anfield, so it's always. 
you know, historically a tough, tough, um, you know, venue to go for Arsenal. I think they've won the last two times they've won the league, though. They've won two, two, one at Anfield. Um, so, do you think it was two points dropped or a point gained for them on on Sunday? Um, up until the what, maybe the eight. The 90th minute, it was two points dropped, I think. Um, and the reason I say that, I think we need to, uh, we absolutely need to commend the Arsenal goalkeeper, um, Zed Ramsdale. Uh, yeah. he, he was terrific. But before we get to that point, I think you're spot on, uh, Mason, about the, the turning point when, uh, is it Martinelli? He's just he's getting in a tussle with, not as Jacka, sorry, getting in a tussle with Alec Trent. Oh, aye. I forgot his name. <laughs> I forgot how to speak today. This is how bad the weekend of football was. Um, aye, he gets in that tussle with Trent and this, I don't really understand why he does that. And I think this shows the naivety of Arsenal and if they had maybe had another, another couple of league titles under the belt, Man City wouldn't do this. Man City go to nothing up at Anfield and they start to just take this thing out of the game. We know mm-hmm. Anfield is a very emotional ground um, at the best of times. It's, it's, one of, it's one of these fan bases which will always look for something to react in time. It's it's not really like, if you think about Borussia Dortmund, for example, it's just a wall of noise constantly. It's not time and time again, Anfield, you can get that spark. I think Ibrox is very similar as well. Something will happen and there'll just be an atmosphere all of a sudden and that helped it. If you're well versed in winning league titles and going the distance, you don't get yourself into these situations. And it was needless you were turning nothing up. And Liverpool just kicked in the gear and Arsenal did struggle to deal with them in the second half. Um I thought I thought Martinelli in the first half was terrific. Um I don't think he's yet enough praise. He was absolutely excellent in the first half. But back to the point I made earlier about the keeper. Um it, it could have been too to each long before Firmino's goal and then uh, is it maybe three or four saves in the last what six seven minutes <laughs> aye um it, terrific that's when i'm when we talk about sliding doors moments between arsenal i think you can maybe go either way the sliding doors moment could be if they see that out three points that's the sign of champions if your glass half full you see ramsdale keeping them in get a point Time will tell. I, I still back Arsenal to, to win this league, but he's trying it in the Arsenal camp as well. Um... Do, you, do you remember last season, Liverpool Arsenal um, at Anfield? Arteta did it. Arteta had a big fight with Klopp on the sides and, and it ignited us and we ended up absolutely stomping them. There's just something about the Arsenal fixture that at Anfield that kind of it ticks a few boxes for the home team. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. They should yeah. learn for that. Um, <laughs> and I'll use Ibrox as a very fair comparison. The best thing you can do at Ibrox is just frustrate the home fans yeah, shut the fans and up. get them on the home team's side. And I think if Arsenal played their game, Anfield would have started to get on uh, yeah. on the backs did, of Liverpool. Did you notice as well in the first half, every time Liverpool were getting some kind of a momentum or a shot, a player from Arsenal would miraculously go down and spend about 30 seconds to a minute on the floor looking for treatment. And it happened all the way through the first half. So that was obviously a ploy that Arteta's went in and went, kill the atmosphere. Kill the atmosphere, kill the momentum, don't let them get anything. 
And for 40 minutes, they were doing it because we were getting riled. Jordan Henderson yeah. was having an argument with people. Um, the Van Dyke was arguing because they were so... They were, Martinelli was doing it. Um, Gabriel at the back was doing it. Xhaka's the first person to stand up and try, and try and take it to them. And it kind of backfired. Yeah. No, that, that's the thing, though. Like, <clears throat> got to praise Liverpool for coming back in the game 2-0 down. Yeah. It could have got, as you said, it could, the game could have got away from Liverpool quite quickly. But Arsenal, a team that's to be fair, has had a really good season. And um, I just thought that, I think the worrying signs if I was an Arsenal fan is they didn't play their game. Once that happened, they there weren't any period of that game after that where I thought, right, they're starting to get control now. It was a case of Liverpool are, are going to score in a minute. It was like, they're going to score in a minute. And it was coming the whole time. So I, I look at the fixtures and I just think there's a couple coming for Arsenal, especially Newcastle away. If Newcastle was still in, in the race for top four, I can't see this Arsenal team going there when the chips are down and beating Newcastle at Newcastle. But um, they might, listen, they might be able to drop points there and still win the league. So it'll be an interesting one. But before we move on to the other games, we've got to touch on the... Uh, Jamie, I'll start with you on this one. I'll come to you both on this. Uh, Andy Robertson um, gets... Okay, a little... Assault, mate. Assault. No, no. <laughs> you know what? So what I would say is there's history between those two individuals. Um, right. So last season... Um, Andy Robertson got sent off um, at Tottenham for swiping into a player, and he was deemed to have been recklessly, um, you know, attempting to injure the player. If you like, it was that linesman that was actually very, very close to that incident, and was the one that called the ref over. And apparently, there was a bit of a ding dong after that game, and between said individuals to say, you know, that they didn't respect each other. There was also an incident in the game. Now, this is proper conspiracy, tinfoil hat stuff, right? Somebody's actually shown a video on Twitter where the ball goes out in front of that linesman and it's an Arsenal ball and he traps the ball and pushes it back to the Arsenal player. But for Liverpool, it was like he let the ball go through his legs. So I think, and this is my complete hypothesis, I think Andy's pretty much held on to that. And at half time, he's went to try and say something to him. And for whatever reason, that linesman's decided to whip out his fucking elbow and chin him like a full frontal assault. Um, and I hope he gets his eight-match ban. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but in, in all honesty, I do I don't I don't believe this is something that's been born from. If you go back a couple of weeks, do you remember Bruno against the linesman at Anfield in that 7 0 win? There was a lot that was made about that. And I do think that was a bit shitty, but I don't think this is something that's came from that. I think this is just something that's been brewing because it looks like the FA haven't done anything to stamp it out in the last few weeks. There's been a lot of incidents about surrounding refs and stuff. I seen a stat the other day that apparently the FA have handed out over a million pounds of fines to clubs in the last two years for uncontrolling players. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. So I do believe that something has to be done. Um, personally, I would say making up the ref would be the quickest way to intervene um, because it's all there, it's on video, it's on tape and, and you can hear everything and I think then people can be held accountable um, but yes, definitely unsavory do I believe he'll get a big ban? No I think he'll get dropped for a couple of games to take him out of the firing line um, if it was the two players on the pitch, would the ref send the two of them off? No, of course he wouldn't 
would something be done in the background? No, probably not. But again, is the linesman held to the same account? That's probably what I, I would fully expect that the, that the FA have some kind of rule book on these kind of incidents about the referee or the linesman maybe losing his cool. So they might actually throw the book at him in terms of what that punishment might look like. But again, Andy brings up, I'm not going to say brings it on himself, but if he doesn't go to him, it doesn't happen. I agree with Roy Keane, mate. He's a baby. Oh, Kawhi. <laughs> away in shape. Roy Keane. The guy talks about being a baby. Right, you're proper triggering me now. I know you're fishing right now. <laughs> Fucking Roy Keane, the guy that's got a million photos of him screaming in front of a referee. Nah, baby my horse. <laughs> Colin, um, a <laughs> couple of points. Um, no, look, the, 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 I'm not. Con- no, I can't. I've got to condemn what the, the linesman done. You can't. You know, he's. There's not a lot in it for me, but you can't raise your arms, your hands, whatever. Um, but Andy Robertson, to be fair, has got history of of screaming at linesmen and referees after games. I think there was a couple on a couple of weeks ago. He's not even played, and he's. You know, he, he's 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 the one that's on there doing it. Um, but this 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 not just him. The footballers all together. I think they get away with murder the way that they talk to to referees. Look. You know, as supporters, we you know we see again. I don't, didn't want to talk about referees at all after the weekend with the old firm game, but um, they're going to make mistakes. Um, and I just think the do you know what the rug. I think rugby have got it perfectly. Um, you give a bit of jet back chat to the ref, to the referee in rugby, mate. You, you're you're off. That's it. Um, and and as you said, you know, for young kids that are watching that, um, Mitrovic the other week is a good example. It's just it, it can't be happening. But to the, the the talks lately is there's going to be got to be two meters um, between that. that that's that's nuts. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't see that happening because all you got to yeah. do is you got to stand two meters and still shout at them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, Aye. and it's nonsense. Well, where, where does it come into play if the ref accidentally runs two meters towards a, yeah. a player? Exactly. It's a it's a fluid game and yeah. and even a non-contact thing. What if? Um, a player's getting up and the ref pats him in the back or whatever, then it's yeah. tinfoil hat on. But um, you're, you're right, Mason. No, I think we just need to be a wee bit cleverer what we do with the, the Premier League. Um, the, the referees, even the Premier League, where they do manage it quite well, so that doesn't surprise me. There's been a million pound um, worth of fines. I actually thought it would have been more. If you're strict away, it, it would have been more uh, for players where the way some of them react to the referees and it does have to be a zero tolerance equally the officials do have to and i don't want to blow this out of proportion because for every 25 instances of not probably more for every 100 instances of somebody being addicted to a referee or linesman something like this happens it's the one in a million it doesn't excuse it but they do have to be held to the same account and I, i disagree with jamie if that's happening on the pitch um, I know it was at half time, but if that's happening and the referee reviews it, I fully expect the referee to send off the player who's raised the elbow. Um, whether I agree with it or not, the, the rules right now, if there's a strike in motion where your, your arm or your forearm, it's going to be a sending off. So the same, whatever that translates in terms of severity for an official doing it to a player, it, it, it's only fair that the book gets flung at them. So I think, um, I don't know if it'll be the late day match ban or whatever, I think it will be out the 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 limelight for a few weeks so and, and rightly so but i think he's definitely he's definitely been dropped for this weekend aye and, yeah. and rightly so um yeah and i mean there has to be a performance man I, I speak about it up here all the time referees need a performance management uh, model and that has to be part of it that's where i'll give the fa and the premier league credit by the way see if if it will come on to another 
referee in a minute and linesman, but um, you can see it in VAR. See, if they make a mistake, they get dropped and their name gets put out there and, and it's, it's public knowledge they've made a mistake, they won't be involved for the next two, three weeks. But, yeah. the, one, the one thing I'll say is that there's obviously been a lot of changes because Howard Webb's now in charge of the referee panel, if you like, and he's very, very hard on the direction it should go. And as a result, we've seen a lot of redundant retirements in the league this season. I think four referees that have been there for traditional last three or four years have all handed in and said that this is going to be the last season or have immediately left. So I do believe there's a new wave coming through and it's going to be a new regime, if you like. Um, so... It's just, you know, where we go with it. <clears throat> no, definitely. Um, and yeah, just I know we're talking about Premier League, but I'd love to see Scottish football follow suit, but I don't think that will happen. Um, so moving it on then, uh, Colin, I'll come to you first on this one. Uh, Leicester, nil, Bournemouth, one. Uh, Graham's favourite team, Bournemouth, got an absolutely <laughs> massive, massive win um, this weekend. Um, me and Jamie, we've already sung um, Billings' praise um, of you know on this pod quite a few times, but he got the winner, Dean Smith, to take over at Leicester, um, which is I can't get my my head around uh, that one to be honest. The talks between Leicester and Jesse Marsh fell through a few days ago. Again, I think the same with him with Southampton. He just wanted longer than what the clubs were willing to give him. Um, but that's that's Bournemouth now picked up another win. Uh, their third Premier Premier League away Premier League win uh, away from home. Um, what did you make of that one, uh, Saturday, Colin? I am fucking livid that Graham Campbell has no shown face in this podcast tonight. <laughs> Honestly, every time they get a result, he's got some work night out or um, a Love Island zone or something. He's he's a, bit, he's a bigger shite bag than Andy Robertson. I'll say that. Um, but I, I said weeks ago. Um, I think I think Bournemouth went to went to Newcastle or they were at home in Newcastle and they go beat three two or three one or something and they had a go and at that point they were in the relegation so now I mind saying on that point that they've been very fun to watch I think they've just accepted they can't be any worse and they've started to open up and they're playing with a wee bit of freedom and it's bearing fruit now. Um, and I do like that. That's I'm now quietly hoping that they, they do stay up because uh there is one thing a uh, grind results out and I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be daft, right? Some teams need to do that and a lot of teams will be doing that and that's how success comes. But the wee boy romantic football fan of me likes to see teams like going for broke, Royal the Rovers kind of stuff. Um and they they are um they are playing quite well. Um so it's a big, big three points, uh, because it's you know, it's almost a cliche alert. Six points when you're when you're taking points off the teams around you. Um and Leicester there they're they're in real trouble. Um I'm sure we'll come on to Dean Smith. Um I'll put my top and swath in the now. I like him. I think um I, I know that's not going to be popular on here, but I, I was shocked when Aston Villa sacked him. Um I thought he would have kept him up and I, I quite liked him as a coach. He absolutely bombed at Norwich, like I think he lost half his games, but I, I don't know if it's enough to keep him up, but I think this is one for next season. I think Dean Smith gets him out of the championship. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, Jamie, what did you make of a couple of things? Obviously, Colin Dares said he's quite a fan of Dean Smith. I actually think that um, I think his time was up to leave Villa, but in hindsight, then, you know, I know they obviously appointed Gerard, but 
probably better off staying with Dean Smith at, at that time. But I just I just thought he was at the time he he left Villa. I think Villa have proved will come to them a little bit later that they're on a different they, they can attract a, an even better manager than than that. Um, but but for Leicester, that's their ninth home defeat um, this season and their fourth in a row at home as well. So is he the man to keep him up? Because, again, maybe I'm being harsh, but I, I just don't see it. I think, you know, they've got like eight games left and I think that question can only be answered after eight games because if he keeps them up, then the obvious answer is yes. If he doesn't, then it was a row. And, I, and as, as stupid as that sounds, but there's something about Bef, bef, you know, before we even say Dean Smith, the report was that they'd approached four different managers before even speaking to Dean Smith. You know, Rafa was being talked about. Um, you know, Jesse March was being talked about. There was, I think, I mentioned last week that um, Nigel Pearson was apparently being touted to be making a comeback. So, so they were obviously shipping around. Dean Smith is a safe pair of hands, is probably what I would say. As in, he knows the league well. Um, he knows that end of the league well. Um, Leicester, I think, are just scrambling right now. They, they, they. You know, we said we said a couple of weeks ago that um, their, their owners cleared their debt um, and put them in a better state, a better standing. But nowhere would they have accounted for the potential of a possible relegation. So I think they're absolutely scrambling right now about what to do, how to do it. Um, I would say it was a shock at the weekend, seeing that I, I, I thought Leicester would have won. Um, but yeah, Bournemouth have been surprising a lot of us, you know, a fair few times this season. The one thing we've always said about Bournemouth is that they do have goals in them. And while they're scoring goals, then they'll get points. Um, so I was completely shocked because I thought Leicester would have turned them over. Leicester with the new manager bounce after Brendan had gone. But they just completely didn't show up at all. Um, there was there was there was shots of their owner at full time. It looked as though he was crying because it was that shock of a result. Um, Dean Smith was then announced about twenty four hours after less than twenty four hours after Jesse Moss had pretty much docked it back. So, what kind of a deal he's been brought on? I mean, who knows what kind of a target has he been set? Have they literally just walked in and just said savers? Can he really do that in eight games? I mean, the the, the fixture list that they've got is quite tough. You know, um, when we've seen some of the games that they've got to play around them, I'm quite I'm quite fearful for Leicester where they set at the moment. First game um, in charge is a, a weighty man city. That's yeah. a bastard, isn't it? And that's what I mean. It's <laughs> it's it's not like we we spoke about Palace a couple of weeks back, a couple of weeks back when Vieira got punted, and we we all said that. Well, I'd say a couple of us said that that was probably a mad decision considering who they were coming coming up against because they were going to play all the eight teams around them. Leicester or not, Leicester are playing a lot of the a majority of the top ended table teams that are all fighting for positions. I think Leicester are going to struggle really, really bad. Yeah, no, I think I think they're they're bang bang in trouble. Um, I, I, I'm not one point. I didn't think I didn't think they'd go down on the Rodgers. To be honest, I think I've always said that. That, that, that he, he in the end he, he had to go, but I just think going to point Dean Smith with the games that are coming, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I think they could it could be whoever picks up four four, four or five points uh, more than because it, Nottingham Forest can't buy a win either, and, and we'll come mm. into them a little bit later. But um, Colin, we've got to go back to referees again. Um, hope, hoping this is the last time we'll talk about referees uh, this week. Um, it was Spurs that beat Brighton 2-1. It was Brighton's first defeat, defeat in eight games. They've been on an excellent run. And to be fair, 
it looked like they uh, were really hard done by here. Um, I won't run through every VAR incident because I'll be here all night, but um, they should have had at least one penalty. And I think one of their goals should have should have stood as well. Um, what, what did you make of that? That uh, and them decisions. Aye, the it was the second worst uh, referee in performance in in Britain at the weekend. Um, any listeners to the Daily News show know what it was beat by, but I Brighton, they, they were. I don't want to say robbed, but they were robbed. Um, and you, you don't usually see deserving that animated. And even after the game, you know, you just still it was so emotional. Um, okay. there, there's no getting away for, for these decisions. Um, and this is what, what what really annoys me about these decisions is the I'm going to call them like the dinosaurs and the old guard. They like your Alan Shearers and stuff. And I love Alan Shearer as a player, but it's a pundit. All season, he's just going on about VAR, VAR, VAR. VAR works. The technology works. The cameras work. It's the idiots making yeah. the decisions. <laughs> um, and that's what it is. I, I don't know. I don't know how we, we've not got them right there. Um, it's an absolute shocker, as you say. Having said that, I still think Brighton had enough chances to put that game to bed. Um, and I think... I don't know if I'm maybe being a wee bit too harsh on them, but I thought they, 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 they probably should have came away with at least two goals. Um, it's hard to hard to criticise them for defending. The, Son and Kane have been kind of inconsistent at the both at best this season, but that's the quality quality that they have. But I do think Brighton should have had at least two goals in their own merit. Um, if the rest on the job, I thought maybe three or four. Yeah, no, no, I absolutely agree. And and on Spurs, you know, Son and Kane, as you said, that's you know, Son's goal was was top draw. To be fair, Kane took his goal well as well. But yeah, if you're a Brighton supporter, you'd be very disappointed. I believe the the main guy on VAR, I can't remember what his name is, but he's been dropped mm-hmm. for the next two Premier League games. Am I right in saying? I think he's been dropped for the next two weeks. So um, look, they took accountability, and and Brighton have got an apology. Um, Jamie, it was a feisty one before the game even started because I think. The Spurs uh, caretaker boss and the Zerbi were, were at it before yeah. before kickoff, and it carried on to the pitch, and it was it was one of them games. But fair fair play to Brighton, by the way, because you know again, I write they've lost at the weekend, but they, they, I wouldn't write them off yet for for, for Europe because I, I I think they're a right good team. I thoroughly expected Tottenham to turn up and actually put the Brighton hoodoo of you know the performances kind of on a nib edge. Brighton absolutely bossed that whole game. Like they absolutely bossed that whole game. And and Collins, right? They were absolutely robbed. Um I was pleasantly surprised with actually how well they played. And I I've been saying it all season. I mean, I don't think you can really count on much these days when you've got people like Danny Welbeck up front. But by all rights, even he had a good game. He had a goal ruled out. Um the one thing I like about Brighton is it's not all reliant on one person. Do you know what I mean? Like, you remember when Newcastle were doing so well at the beginning of the season? It was all it was the Allen Run show. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not that. Matoma's been doing good. Uh, Marsh has been um, has been doing great. Um, McAllister nice. obviously came back from the World Cup, but he's looking really solid. Do you remember before it all the talk was about Casado? Nobody's talking about him right now because yeah. they've been outshadowed by all these other people. And I, I absolutely love the young lad up front. 
18 years great. old. Um, uh, yeah, he's he looks as though he's got a bright future ahead of him. Um, yeah. got a lot of time for 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 the way he's playing. Brighton look look like the real deal. Um, I'm not exactly Donk's biggest fan, but even he looks as though he's he's, he's kind of getting better. Um, it's it's mad with the performances they're getting out of them, and I think that's the big credit to them because as much as people have put it down to their management. Yeah, I think Deserby's one to watch with this team because this team were playing like this before he walked in the door, in my opinion. He's just managed to kind of keep the smooth running of it and just kind of, you know, allowed them to express a little bit more, if you like. Um, Spurs look as though they're in trouble. If, if Spurs play like that against the majority of the teams that they've got coming up, they're going to drop out a top five. Yeah. You know, they, 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 those kind of performances. I mean, let's face it, Son's goal was probably arguably one of the goals of the bloody season. But his stats this season is arguably his worst he's had since he joined Tottenham. Um, Kane's obviously got got his goal. But apart from that, you didn't really see much about him. Again, we're still not seeing... I, I don't know if Richardson was playing. I think he says he's, still, he's out for the season, isn't he? Richardson. Um, and they brought the lad in Dan Juma, who can't get a game. Um, Kulisevsky... Last season was arguably one of the best players in, in the league. That he's a shadow of himself this season. Um, so yeah, I think Spurs are in trouble, um, and I don't think Stellini is the one is, is going to help that situation at all. You're picking a fight with Zerbi before the match even started about slating his style of play. The um, was never going to sit on that. You seen when they tried to shake hands, the pulled him up for it right there and then, and it just carried on throughout the game. Um, I like that from Zerbi though because he's passionate about it. You know, he shows he's got a bit of ball. He's he's not he's not shirking away. Um, Stellini just I just expect Stellini just didn't think he was going to get a reaction like that. Um, and you could see that when the when the ref was coming over to send him off, Stellini was stood there like a statue, not even making eye contact yeah. while, the, while it was all kicking off with everybody at the side of him. You're know, like your proper shape bag. I, I love that <laughs> for Stellini, but it's almost petty. Like yeah. after after the game and the interview, Deserbi was his own animated self, and Stellini <laughs> was asked about it, and he's just like, he's like "What? I'm, I'm the manager's <laughs> bottom hotspot." That's what he's was. I'm, I'm Stellini. I, I'm the manager bottom yeah. You knew exactly what he did, <laughs> but yeah, Brighton top top marks for them. I thought they were brilliant. Um, didn't deserve um, the results, um, but again, PGO MLL have had to come out and apologise for decisions not going their way. And I think the last time they did, they've had. I think Wolves have had three apologies so far. Brighton have had three apologies now. Like it's getting crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it's fair enough for them taking accountability, but what? Sorry, sorry is not going to get Brighton, you know, in Champions League. Well, I think, I think, I think the big difference is that see if Matoma, see if see if Matoma's first, what, see if he gets that penalty. Which yeah. my sorry, see if his goal doesn't get ruled out. My opinion, that's not handball. That goal should have stood. Um, see if they win in the game, and that goal doesn't really amount to anything or that instant. This won't be getting such traction. The yeah. fact is, these these decisions are actually costing points. Yeah. And, and and these points aren't like dead points. These are teams that are chasing positions. So it actually means every ounce of why they're doing it. So it is massively under the microscope at the moment. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Um, Colin, we'll, we'll move it on then. Uh, the uh, Saturday night game was Southampton 1, Man City 4. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne registered is 100 Premier League assists now um, for Kevin De Bruyne. He's just, again, 
been a quiet season for him as well, but he's just, just maybe, you know, him, Man City are just starting to click at, at the right time. I'll put a question out to, to both of you and, and let me know if you know it. Haaland scored 44 goals now in all competitions. Do you know the two two Premier League players that have on the same, that they've got the, it's the record and they've got them in all competitions. They're both Premier League players. I won't say who, but can you take a guess who, who they are? Um, uh, I'm going to guess it's maybe somebody who had a good European run. Um, I'm going to guess... I know Haaland would have been the quickest to get there, but is it Henri and Drogba? No. I'm sure I seen this on Twitter the other day, and I didn't, I didn't, I can't remember who it was, but he was top because of the amount of goals he's got and the and the shortest of goal span. Um, I'm gonna say quickest goals, Luis Suarez. No. No. Fernando uh, Torres it's can't be Fernando Torres, can it? No, I'll, I'll give you a clue. One is one one play for Liverpool and one play for Man United. One plays for Liverpool and one played for Man United. Salah, of course. Salah's one. Of course. Yeah, oh, okay. Salah. Um, <laughs> Salah got the aye. Yeah, most goals in their season, his debut season. Uh, and Van Persie would have been the other one then. No, Rude Van Nistelrooy. Rude Van Nistelrooy. Oh, of course. Um, that's that's the joint ever. So Harlan's on 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 set to go and absolutely obliterate that. Uh, Colin, we we can talk about Southampton and you know they're obviously struggling etc. I don't think they was ever expected to take you know anything out of this one um, until Man City scored. It, it was game over once they did. To be fair, what did you make of, of the game Saturday? Obviously Harlan with the overhead kick uh, as well, but they're just for me they're just starting to hit hit that you know gear gears at the right time. I'll be honest, I actually thought um, the 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 best chance that happened first day of the game was for Southampton. That boy Silvermana should have should have done better, should have put him one nothing up and I just think this is the difference now, isn't it? The man said he's seen that and they just got pissed off and they just poked the bell, didn't they? Um to to Bruyne. Um that the, the, I was really, I was really single out a couple of assists, but I thought they were all good assists. I know, I know we don't know all massive Jack Grealish fans in terms of him as a person, but he's really hitting form as well. Kevin De Bruyne is just the biggest compliment I, I can give him. He's now starting to uh, consistently provide the things that we expect for him. Um, he in years to come, he'll be a look back as a Premier League great. But it's just, it's not just Haaland. We spoke about this time and time again that. City don't need to focus a game around Haaland. Um, we, we were just speaking about Spurs. I think Spurs um, a big issue. They they try and just fit in Harry Kane, but you could you could put I don't know. You could play Grealish as a false nine if you want. You could play Mares up there, whatever. There's so many different combinations that City can do with the lineup or even during the game. Like the threat comes from everywhere. It comes from the fullbacks. Comes from midfield playing through the lines. Comes from the cross balls. See the amount of goals that City get for cross balls. I'd love to see the start because we think about City just this juggernaut quick passing, one touch passing, but they're so good at getting the ball out wide and into the into the forward players or the players making the late runs and there is an art to that. And I know it's by with the football um, I like the prestige footballing uh, art. It's it's looked down upon, but City do it so well. They just have a threat for anywhere in the park. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and funny you say that. I, I was saying that 
actually on Saturday they crossed the, you know something we don't say about Pep Guardiola's teams is the amount of crosses they get in the box but they've now got someone that's you can put it in any of that areas and he's getting there I think for the goal he just his movement isn't probably spoke about enough when you speak of Harlan since the finishing but his movement's very very good but he's got that two three yards of, 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 of a burst where <clears throat> no one's getting there no one's getting near him but um Jamie, what did you make of that Saturday? I think Colin makes a good point in the sand. To be fair, Southampton had the, the best chance um, early on. And uh, it just, for me, I just, he didn't ever back himself. Solomono, when he got through, I just thought, you do not back yourself at all here. And, and, and he yeah. ended up. Yeah, I think, you know, going before the game, you said, I think you said it right off the bat, nobody expected anything from Southampton, to, 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 be, to be honest. Um, City or City, and, you know, apart from that cup game where they played against Southampton earlier in the season, City were a different, a different team right now compared to that team at that point. And I think the biggest thing for me is probably not De Bruyne. I think the biggest thing is that Pep stopped, stopped playing roulette with people. Yeah. You know, you go back a couple of months and he was, he was playing Rico Lewis, left-back slash midfielder, at one point, and Bernardo Silva was playing left back. He's kind of stopped all that now. He stopped the rotation. He's got he's got the same people playing the same games. John Stones is back in the defence now. He's you know, Carl Walker's not even getting in the team. He's playing with a with a you know with a with a three central defenders, kind of all playing the same role, but actually sprinting out and one fills into the middle. So he's kind of settled on his team now, and I think this is where we're starting to see City start to click. Um, yeah, the, the result was no surprise. Um, it was expected um, that you know City would do that. It was always about Holland though. Coming back from his injury, he had the one week out the week before. Was he going to come back in the same form? Yeah, he just chucked a couple more in, didn't he? You know, um, overhead kicks for a laugh. But yeah. I, I think, I think we, you, you guys were just talking about that goal there. That's the goal that City have not had in their ranks in the last four or five years. They've had the ball in behind. They've had the flare play. But see that one, that end ball into the six-yard box and a running jump? Not many players had that height for City and doing those kind of things. Haaland is an absolute beast at those because of how aggressive he is when he jumps for that ball in the air. You go back to some of his goals he was getting at the beginning of the season, they weren't wildies. They were all poaches. They were all in, inside the six-yard box where he was getting a limb on it or he was getting the quick header. In. That's pretty much what he did at the weekend. He just did it with a lot more flair. So, yeah, no surprises for me at all. No, it was, uh, yeah, you know... Uh... As I said, sitting this stage of the season, uh, they're the last team you want. Uh, gunning, gunning you down, uh, pardon the pun. But uh, Colin, uh, we'll move it on then. Uh, Leeds won Palace 5. That was the, the early kickoff on Sunday. Um, did not see this one coming at all. Uh, Palace, who have struggled to score a goal. Um, they obviously had a big win last week in the 94th minute. With old Boy Hodgson uh, coming back to, to Palace and... Um, They've gone and scored five, a, a tough away game. Leeds went one nil up as well, and I thought that's it, that, that's game over. But um, it, it was actually Leeds' um, joint uh, biggest defeat at home in, in Premier League, in the Premier League. So uh, just goes to show it doesn't happen often. But what did you make of uh, Palace um, on Sunday? Wild, mate. And this is us getting into the proper crazy business end of the season, and. Um, I, I only seen the first away. I've seen all the highlights now, but I only seen the first half, and I thought I came away thinking, you know, Leeds going in deservedly one 0 up. I thought Leeds played very, very well um, that first twenty thirty minutes, and they were chapping at the door. And I thought um, Bamford he took his role well. That's it set such a visually pleasing goal when it goes in off the uh, off the post and in a really good header. 
and you know I've I've came away for the game at half time checked the results later on and I was like what has happened man that's that could not have been the same game that I was watching um all credit to, to Crystal Palace they've they've came out the taps um and you know I, I think I think what we've seen uh, in the second half of Crystal Palace is that the the play, uh, uh, the other forward stepping up. Obviously, Ayu got two goals. Edward got a goal as well. But I thought at least played quite well too. My worry was with uh, Zaha being back out. They've relied on him so much, and the likes of Ayu and the, the other cycles have just really struggled to have any sort of imprint in the game. Um, I, I thought they played well. They took their goals goals well. Um, I, I I thought it was a bizarre appointment. Um, I said this last week, but it's. It seems to be working so far, Mason. It, it really is, mate. And and I said, I think obviously you guys would have spoke about it last week about Roy Hodgson going back in there. I was absolutely gobsmacked that that you know Roy had seventy six to go back in Palace, and you know what kind of health there was rumours obviously last year at Watford and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But just goes to show what you know a man you know a manager with his sort of respect can do. And I think Palace will be you know it's mad how quickly two wins can flip it, and you're going yeah they'll be fine now. Obviously, Jamie, the other end of that, just just lastly on Royal Hodgson, that as I said, that Palace's um, biggest joint biggest away win in the Premier League. It was five one. Um, Jamie, I, I, and Colin, shout out if you know. Do you know the last Premier League manager with Palace to equal that scoreline five one away? Was it Hodgson? Yeah, it's going to be on away, away, <laughs> away at West Brom in, in 2020. So, uh, yeah, Royal some breaking all the records. But, um, you know, for, for Leeds, Jamie, what what's that? A result like that, honestly, at home. Absolute implosion. Yeah. Done my coupon. I had Leeds on because I thought Palace are shite. They can't go away from home. Um, absolutely turned over. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. In the first game of the Coupon, absolutely fuming. I watched the game. Kind of, it's exactly the same as Colin. Bamford goal goes in. You go, yeah, they've been pushing for that. That was that was easily pleasing on the eye. That when that one went in. What happened next? I, just, I, just, I can't even explain it. It wasn't like... It wasn't like there was a dodgy challenge that resulted in a free kick or a penalty or anything. They just didn't. They just didn't react to whatever Palace were doing. Um, the boy Alise, 
like I, I've said him a couple of times earlier in the season, him and Izzy, they, they're, they're cracking players, the two of them are, but they just hadn't been consistent. This was a perfect example of that. They've not been nowhere for the last two or three weeks. Manager gets punted, and all of a sudden they start turning up. Um, the one thing that we were all worried about, and I think we all said it, is do Palace have goals in them? Well, they just fucking take the piss route of us, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the, the last two games. Um, and, and Roy Hodgson looks as though he's getting 10 years younger with every bloody game, doesn't he? Like, what the hell? Um, yeah, complete shock. Didn't expect that result at all. And um, see, when you look at the table now, you'd probably say Palace are probably safe, yeah. you know, now. With the, with the momentum that they're building, they're probably safe. They're, I think they're eight points, sorry, five points ahead, but five points outside of the bottom three now. Um, and they're still playing the teams around them. So I would fully expect them to kind of stay okay now. Leeds, I don't get it. I, I, I just don't get what it is. Um, I've also got to feel a bit sorry for the, for the record striker that they brought in on Christmas, the boy Ruta. I have no idea what he's going to do to get a game. They brought him on after about 80 minutes. They were already 3-1 down or something, 4-1 down at the time. For the record star, I mean, I don't get it. Um, they're obviously missing the lad Adams in midfield. Um, McKechnie mm. was playing, um, and it's just not the same. He doesn't look the same without Adams. I'm not necessarily a big fan of Adams, but I do recognise what he brings to that team in terms of his desire um, and his, you know, his love for, for that kind of a role. Um so they're definitely missing him. Rodrigo is obviously another one that they're missing. He scored some important goals at the beginning of the season for them. I think he came on in the second half, but again, by then it was too late. Um, I just don't think anybody expected Palace to turn up when they did. See, see on Leeds, seeing that point there, Jamie, on the strikers, we said this at a point at a time when there was a January transfer window. <laughs> They need goals. They're relying on Rodrigo. Um, he's out injured now. And that's what I couldn't understand. I still don't get it. Why did you allow Mars to spend that money and then put mm-hmm. them anyway? And the money they spent on the record signing router, it was only, I've just double-checked there because I remember being baffled by it at the time. It was a one-in-five striker with Hoffenheim. It's no, it wasn't a goal machine. It wasn't a yacht to come in and... Um, yeah, and so I mean, all I, the problems, but now he's not see even when you think of, either. See when you think of Rodrigo's being injured, and you know Wilfred Nonto has obviously been in and around. He's not scoring the goals, but he's in and around setting him mm-hmm. up. You just think, what's the lad Ruta got to do? I just don't get it. Aye. Um, Leeds got Leeds got spanked today as well, didn't they, with another judgment? Yeah. Um, so they owe was it twenty five million to a previous Kevin Augustine um, for unlawful, shall we say, contract withdrawal, um, and. They've also got to pay the fifteen million to his old team for his transfer fee. So though that's that's Leeds done another forty million. They didn't even keep him. That that's that's the problem. First of all, with Leeds, yeah, their their transfer strategy, I've not understood it at all. Really, mm-hmm. uh, some of their transfers for me, the money they've they haven't spent, you know, top like talk of some of the Premier League teams, 40, 50 millions, but twenty millions on on bang average players. But they're panicked. When they, when everyone knew Marsh was going to get the sack, they backed him and let him bring a striker in, and then they broke the bank to get him. But he brought a McKechnie as well, didn't he? Like the same day, yeah, <laughs> who, who bang average as well, by the way. Yeah. And the Augustine, the one that they had to pay, the bet to pay that's come out today, twenty five million. They they signed him on deadline day, mm-hmm. and just to get the deal over the line, they agreed to pay future transfer fee. He hardly yeah. paid because he's shit. <laughs> and then you know, so there's whoever's picking league strikers. 
Um, we'll probably replace Ross Wilson at Rangers, but that's another story. But no, he's having an absolute, absolute yeah. man. Um, mm. So uh, Leeds, yeah, they could pay the price for it. Am I right in thinking Leeds stayed up on the last day of the season as well last year, wasn't it? Yeah, well, was it, it yeah. I, uh, what's his name, Rafinha, um, scored um, the goal to keep them up. They're going to be on. A, I think they're going to be in a last day survival mode again. I think it's going to come down to the last day for them. No, I agree. Um, just last bit from, from me on, on Palace. Everyone will talk about the sort of forwards at the weekend, but I think they've got two centre halves that could slot into a lot of teams in the top six in Anderson and, and Mark Bree. I think they're very, very underrated, and uh, <laughs> I think there'll be clubs bigger than Palace looking at them in the summer. That's that's my prediction anyway. But moving it on, Jens Colin, uh, Brentford won. Uh, Newcastle free. How about this for a stat? The first time Brentford have failed to win a Premier League game in which they have opened the scoring. Um, that was this weekend. So uh, if Brentford have gone one nil up, they've gone on to win the game. That I couldn't couldn't believe that when I, I see that one this morning. Um, but let's just let's just start on Brentford then, Colin. Uh, obviously, uh, Tony misses a penalty as well. They could have been two nil up by the time. Um, <clears throat> they've sort of fallen away a little bit of late. Um, with, with a few of their results. Uh, first of all, what, what, what did you make, make of them at the weekend? And then obviously Newcastle. Um, chips are down, but they've just pulled out another big win. Oh, they're the favourites for the top four at the minute, surely. Yeah, on Brentford, um, they've kind of been putting in the same bracket as Brighton. Um, and I think probably it's been a fair comparison throughout the season. But I think we're now seeing the... I don't know, the momentum wearing we're off a wee bit. And I think Brentford are just that level below Brighton. Um, they do get a lot of goals for set pieces. So we, we Tony missing a penalty. Um, they were, um, it was it was always going to be difficult. They, they've got a young squad. And I think um, top 10 for them this season would have been great. Um, I think there's a lot of players who are really going to come into their own uh, next season. Um, I think Tony, like, I think he'll continue. That's... That's if they can keep them. I think we spoke a few weeks ago. Will they keep Ivan Tony? Um, but I think we'll we'll maybe see them peter out. I don't think they're in any danger. Um, I don't know dropping down to the like eleven or twelve for it. I think they're going to be comfortable. Maybe ninth, tenth. I don't see Fulham or Chelsea at this point over overtaking them. But I think yeah, they will start to peter out. Um, I think they just probably need to be a bit more clinical in open play, and that's been their tr- trouble the last few weeks. When they did go 1-0 up, however, um, I thought this was the curse of Newcastle's away form again. I, I think we've all said this, where they have struggled to really take the... I win the games they should be winning away from home if they want to be seen as a top four side, and that was the difference between them and Man U. So I think it's a massive three points for them. I, I really do, um, and it's something that's it's maybe now that they have got that you know got that big win um, out of the way. Like I, I'm saying, big win. Brent getting for Newcastle getting three points away to Brentford is a decent result. Way the way the away form has been, so I think they will take a bit of momentum with that. Um, I, I think there's no danger that they'll they'll get top four. Um, whether they tip Man U or no, I still think Man U have maybe got a wee bit more in them. If I'm being honest, so I think it'll be Newcastle fourth, but I think comfortably top four. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think they'll do it. And, and just on Newcastle, that's Eddie Howe now has reached 100 points in the Premier League with Newcastle and he'd done it in 56 games. Um, incredible when you think about when he took over and where they were. Um, only Keegan for Newcastle has, 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 has done it in, in less. He'd done it in 51 games and you think about the team they had at the time. So just goes to show how well Eddie, Eddie Howe's doing. Um, Jamie, obviously... You can touch on touch on the game, but but what I want to ask you is, Anthony Gordon, um, Eddie Howe takes him off, and he acts like uh, he acts like Andy Robertson. Um, nah. Ooh, <laughs> he's got, he's got again, again. <laughs> no, no. In all seriousness, though, uh, forty-five million. Uh, we we I don't think we spoke about it uh, at the time uh, for too long, but he seems like a rat pain up the you know what and. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, he'll, he'll be training with the under-21s for the end of the season. He won't be playing again. But that's £45 million down the drain for me because yeah. I, I just don't see it with him, to be honest, as a footballer. But he's obviously got big, big attitude problem. Yeah. Um, just, to, just to collect as well, I think you said Newcastle won 3-1 at the weekend. It was actually 2-1. They had a goal ruled out. Callum Wilson, um, his goal didn't stand. So it was 2-1 that the, the, the game finished on. Um, but Anthony Gordon was brought on the 46th minute and was subbed on the 93rd minute. I don't really get the handbags from him. Like, it was the 93rd minute. He was trying to change the formation to kind of see the game out. I kind of get that. I, I mean, no player would want... No no sub would want to be subbed off. I get that. But it's like the 93rd minute. You're 2-1 you're up. Surely there's bigger fish to fry there. Surely you kind of, you know... It's not like he did anything wrong. Eddie Howe said he was just trying to change the team around. I kind of like as well when he came off, sorry, in the after bit. Eddie Howe was asked the question about Gordon and he played it down. He's like, no, no, everything's fine. Um, it was just a change in formation. And then there's a press release the day after saying he's got to train with the under-21s for the rest of the season. So you know it wasn't fine. And when you see the altercation, Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe's got a bigger grip on Anthony Gordon than what Andy Robertson did with the linesman. And Anthony Gordon was proper struggling to get, get him off like a petulant child. It was quite embarrassing, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I struggle to see why that transfer happened. It yeah. can't be because of the player, the homegrown quota, because Newcastle have got plenty of English players on the books, um, young players as well. I don't get why they why they had to make that kind of a deal, um, for especially for Anthony Gordon, who was hardly setting the world on fire. Um, I don't see what he actually brings that team in itself. Um, so yeah, probably forty-five million wasted. He's probably. I said last week. I think it was that the one thing I was very massively impressed with from Newcastle was every signing they'd made so far has been has done a job. Has been a catalyst for what they've done. Anthony Gordon's probably the only one I don't actually see. I don't understand or I don't get. So maybe there's a bigger picture for him there, but. Um, yeah, I don't think they'll cry. I don't think they'll cry too much about him not being in the team. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't get, you know, it was only five months ago Anthony Gordon was uh, getting hounded off his home homegrown fans in a car park outside, the, uh, you know, Goodison. So he's probably happy that he's up there. He's up there at that neck of the woods and not having a relegation fight in his hands. Um, but, yeah, for such a young player to act the way he did, he was very... I'm going to say disrespectful. Normally, I would I would try and side with the players, but if you give it the context, it was the 93rd, 94th minute. You're winning 2-1. You're under the cost. You're changing the formation. 
doesn't matter who fucking comes off. You're coming off. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't get that. We, we've all spoke about the future for Eddie Howe and does it have a does it have a, a shelf life at Newcastle because mm-hmm. they're eventually going to try and grow on a bigger club. How he handles this situation will, will be massive. Yeah. Yes, uh, because the big thing that we've been throwing at him is can he handle that elite level of player? And no, listeners, I am not saying Are Anthony you... Gordon is not the elite level of player, <laughs> but with an elite level of player comes the prima donna and yeah, managing just... the, the diva mm-hmm. mentality. How Eddie Howe deals with this will put a marker down that either you can come in and dictate as a player or you won't get let away with nonsense. Yeah, no, no I think you make a, a really good point there on on Eddie Howe. And uh, I don't think he takes any shit, by the way. But um, but, but as Jamie said a minute ago, Anthony Gordon and respect, I don't think they yeah. sit with each other, you know, to treat the way Everton, his boyhood club, the way he did in the end. Um, even his interview with, when he joined Newcastle, I thought was really disrespectful, um, yeah. to be honest. But, um, you know, but, that, that's fine. Again, the, the the one thing that has, I think, the one thing that will see Newcastle over the line of how they're getting on this season, I think goes back to arguably, I would say, was their best signing so far, and that's Nick Pope. I think he's been brilliant. Nick Pope was always that goalkeeper. When he was at Burnley, who was a great shot stopper, they were talked about he should be England's number one, but it was always, but he's playing for Burnley. How yeah. does he get on being at a bigger club? Well, he's arguably at a massive club compared to Burnley, and he's arguably been their player of the season. Um, he saved Ivan Tony's first penalty the other day. Um, he's, apart from the Liverpool game, where he did that crazy header, handball, whatever you want to call it, he's been pretty much unfathomable, you know, unflappable all season. I'm a big fan of it, Nick Pope, um, and he showed that at the weekend. Yeah, no, I agree. agree. I think, uh, yeah, he's he's been he's been top draw, um, but you're absolutely spot in Sam, with, with their signings. They've got 90, 95% right uh, so far. Colin, moving it on then. Uh, Wolves beat Chelsea 1-0. Um, I'm sure you guys uh, would have touched. Did, did you guys last week on, on Lampard going back to Chelsea? I can't remember if that was in the, the making or, or not. But uh, Colin, I'll ask you anyway. I, I can't understand this one. The, the money that Chelsea have got, the managers that they can get in. They've gone back to Frank Lampard. It's I know he's a club legend, but he failed there once. He went to Everton and failed there. I just I I can't get my head around it to, to be quite honest with you. But I don't I don't think yeah, he was announced by the time we he was announced about two hours after we after uh, the pod finished. Really, yeah. <laughs> you know what, Jamie? Like on that podcast, we could have had a hundred guesses each, and <laughs> we probably still wouldn't have got to Frank Lampard for that. Yep. that's not the day we have football knowledge. That just sums up Chelsea where they are right now. I mean, at one point, Mason was fucking even money to get the job. <laughs> it's just <laughs> mental. Um, I, I've <laughs> I really really like Frank Lampard. Um, this is the wrong job for him. I said at the time when he first went to Chelsea, I get why he done it. He's got an attachment in that club. He was a good up-and-coming coach. It was the wrong jo- right job 10 years too early for him. Um, Chelsea are too much a basket case club. Then he went to Everton, which are just basically a mini Chelsea, you know, the way they were going. And I said, I don't know why I'm... I'm back in front to the hill here like he's my son but I, I said he needs a stable club what does he do he spits in my face and he goes back to Chelsea um he'll he'll be gone in the summer he really will be and like 
I think the best you can hope for is just to at least get a wee bit of a upward trajectory um, for, for Chelsea to try and stand up and stood good stead for his next job. Um, I'll be honest, I've only seen highlights of this. I'm no surprised. I, I don't there's deeper line problems at Chelsea other than the manager. Um, and I think Lampard's just got to be there till the summer, as I said. The best thing that can happen for Chelsea is their points. So, uh, they get somebody confirmed to come in for the the first week in June because it has to be a long, hard pre-season. I don't know how much they need to overhaul the squad. Uh, I think they really just need to get a bit of, bit of unison and a bit of cohesion in that squad because it's it's very much individuals instead of a team game right now. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, Colin. I, I'd be interested to see what happens with, with Chelsea this summer. It depends who the manager is, but I think they need to first and foremost, before they bring anyone else in, they need to get rid of a lot of players. They need to cut down the numbers. I read I read an article today about, about um, when Graham Potter was there and there were some players that, that in the dressing room that couldn't even sit on a bench, they had to sit on the floor. Um, and there was a lot of players not playing, so there was a lot of slide digs at him. And, it, you know, it's going to take a really strong manager to go in there and clear the decks. Um, Frank Lampard can't do it and he won't do it. He won't be there. I think, I, do you know what? I'd be surprised if he manages in the Premier League again after this little short spell. But, but Jamie... Got to give credit to Wolves, obviously. It's a massive win for them. They've struggled uh, at home as well of late. Um, and we said about, you said there earlier about Son with goal of the weekend, but I think this one gives it a run for the money as well um, by, by Nunes. Well, what a strike uh, and what a big win, as I say, for, for Wolves. Yeah, and, and it's funny as well because uh, Nunes technically shouldn't have been blamed because he was sent off the week before, um, but it was rescinded because of mistaken identity. So we kind of got on the pitch and, uh, you know, I, I think it was that altercation once with the Wolves um, and he started getting, I think, off of the bench, got sent off and Matthias Nunes was a mistaken identity. So that got rescinded. So he managed to get a game. Again, going into the weekend, I don't think anybody would have expected a Wolves win. You would have expected maybe an edgy game where Chelsea maybe win at 1-0 or they get a draw out of it, you know, similar as what they did against Liverpool. But to go to Wolves, who probably have scored the least goals this season than any other team, um, and lose by three points, I'm sorry, it's just laughable. It's And, and, that's, and, and that's, not fa- that's not Frank. That's the team, you know, to, to 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 him, he changed the team a bit. He brought Sterling in. He played, he played um, people at their more natural positions. But for whatever reason, they just can't get it done. They can't get it over the line. Um, and Canty was back injured again, so didn't play. Like he only comes out once again once a season to come play Liverpool. At least it's, it's the only game he actually gets fit to play. Um, but uh, he used Obama Young um, in the game as well. So there's obviously. There's obviously big, big problems with with the squad. I personally don't think Frank's there for anything more than just the end of the season. Um, I think he's pretty much made that evidence in his own discussions as well. The one thing that would trouble me um, is the bit I'm trying to make head. You know, Chelsea, whether whether people like to admit it or not, Chelsea are a powerhouse. You know, they've shown that with the money that they've spent this season. Why have they got to employ an interim manager? They're talking to Nagalan, they're talking to Luis Enrique, arguably two of the best coaches in the world as it stands at the moment. One's available on a free, and the other one would have a severance package payoff with Bayern. 
we talked about Potter getting punted last week. That package is probably going to cost Chelsea the best part of £60 million. So arguably taking Nagelsmann out of his contract for anything for 15 to £20 million seems like chump change. Why is this not getting done? What, what, what is it that's not happening? What is it? What's the bit that we don't see here? Um, and, and I think the best headline, Mason, you'll, you'll, you'll like this. The, the best headline I've seen on Twitter was apparently Todd Bowley took advice from James Corden on employing Frank Lampard. James Corden's a West Ham fan, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's a prick, like, isn't he, the like bargain? Absolute, absolute, <laughs> yeah, an absolute tragedy. You just think, if that is honestly true, if that is honestly true, that is absolute mental. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, I just don't get how they're not getting a full-time manager across the line. And why is why? I get why Frank's gone back. He's been asked to help out. He's gonna go back. He's gonna go. He would do it for a free. Do you know what I mean? Because he loves the club. I get that. What do you think they've asked him to go in and do? Because it can't be get us into the top eight. You know, can't be. Is it just? Make sure we don't fall any further. I mean, fucking hell! Imagine think, saying that as a man, as a Chelsea manager. I think there's worrying, worrying signs at Chelsea that this ain't get, even a strong manager. This Todd Bowley seems like a right character, and mm-hmm. his decision making, even with the transfers, the way they've gone in and got players and spent all that money, yet they haven't got a, a recognised number nine. Um, just even as I said. Bringing in Potter at the time, I don't think was was the right. Well, obviously, wasn't in the end. But Frank Lampard coming back in, and and then you hear stories of that with James Calder. So if I if I was a Chelsea fan at the minute, um, and, and they love to go back, obviously Abramovich, they love. He, he was a great chairman for them. But um, I'd be a little bit worried at the minute if I was mm-hmm. if I was a Chelsea fan because I think that I, I don't see it getting any better anytime soon, to be honest. But obviously, that will depend on on who comes in this summer. Yeah, and um, I also seen as well. I think Colin mentioned it. That you know whether they were the squad would need an overhaul. So the problem that they have at the moment is that they're facing financial fair play restrictions because they're not qualifying for Champions League. So all that money he spent is going to put him in the shit for the next two years. So there's talk that they're going to have to let go of the best part of nearly 25, 30 players. Just and there's why the lights are worse than Ricky yeah. um, won't won't come in now. Like why would I, you? Like I know money talks and that, but what's the difference between I don't know <laughs> being a a multi millionaire to a multi millionaire guys like yeah. Lewis and Ricky and the boys just left Munich. They're they're really working the innovation job in the world. Like why would you draw your basket case? I, I don't understand why that. If you've already made your money, why go to why go to the circus? Yeah, yeah. No, Spot on that, and, and I say that the first thing I said when I, I said about Chelsea is I can't believe that I can't believe they've got Frank Lampard anyway. But you, you're absolutely spot on. Top managers at the minute, especially where the season is, are going to be like, no thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely spot on. But but just to say we could we could talk about I think Chelsea that that could take up a whole pod. But uh, Jamie, we'll, we'll, need, we'll need the summer transfer window just to talk about them. Yeah, we'll. we will. Yeah, yeah, and it, it won't be players coming in; it will be players no. going out. No. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you first on this one then with um, Aston Villa. Uh, they beat Forest 2-0. Uh, I think this was the biggest banker of the weekend for me. Uh, Villa, they've scored in every Premier League game under Emery, which is 17. All 17 they've scored. Uh, Watkins gets on the score sheet again. He, he's on fire. And uh, that's them unbeaten in the last seven games. The mad thing is, considering where they were when he took over, they're now only six points behind uh, Spurs. 
So yeah. it just goes for the turnaround. That I, I, think, I think I said last week, um, if if you take the points that Emery's earned at Aston Villa since he joined, only Arsenal and City have done better. Which is absolutely mental, considering. I, I think I also said last week that I think the question was, did Emery take over Aston Villa when they were bottom? But he didn't. It was he was actually it was actually seventeenth when he took over. So from seventeenth to six, he's, he's it's absolutely mental what he's done, um, and it's it's even mental that he's getting the tune out of one of Collins' favourite players, Tyron Mings. Like, <laughs> not not that he's any good, but they're getting clean sheets. Like, um, it's mental to, that they're actually getting these kind of results. Um, I, they do have one or two players that I'm a big fan of. I'm a big fan of John McGinn. Um, I, I think he's like a, if I was to kind of give him any kind of credit, I think he's like the next James Milner. You know, in that kind of a mould of a player, I've got a lot of time for John McGinn. I think he do. I think he do a good team, a really good, a really good uh, job. Also, quite like da- uh, Douglas Louise. I think he's a good, solid midfielder. He was a young lad when he was at City. And he's, you know, him going to Aston Villa was a big punt, and he's done brilliant for them. Um, but yeah, they've they've got a consistent lineup. They've got consistent people scoring. Um, we questioned whether letting people like Danny Ings was a good a good choice in the in January, and Watkins decides to start playing as a proper number nine and getting you getting punts in. The boy Buendia starting to play well. Remember, you remember, and this is all without the lad Philip Coutinho. Like Coutinho's not touched the ball in God knows how many weeks for them. Um, so th- I think they're getting they're getting a tune out of a, of a lot of players. Um, I think it's going to be a big summer for them because arguably. Only one of these players is an Emery player, and that's the boy Moreno. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what changes he wants to see to the squad come the end of the season. Um, if they do finish in the European slots, which is a big ask, but if they do, again, that's a bigger, bigger restraint on that squad. It means that he's going he's gonna to want more money. So, yeah, it could be careful what you wish for for Aston Villa, but in the meantime, they're going to lap it up. Absolutely, and, and you make a point about, about Coutinho, but I think, to be honest, I think Coutinho was a top, top player at Liverpool, by the way, and then, he, you know, he, he went and had a good spell, but I think he, him coming out has been the best thing that's happened to be like the intensity he's there. Um, I think he's a bit of a luxury now, Coutinho, but Colin, on on Nottingham Forest then, um, another defeat, I think it's six or seven games without a, a win. Um, my question to you with Forest is, do you think Steve... Uh, Cooper will be there to finish out the season. <laughs> it's hard to predict, man. Like, yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought when we wrote past February that was the manager sacking is done and dusted. But there you go. Um, I don't think he will. But at the same time, I don't know what difference it makes because I think Nottingham Forest are doomed now. They really are. I'm just, I was just looking ahead of the next four fixtures. They've away to Man U, then at home to Liverpool, then away to Brighton, then at home to Brentford, and I don't see them taking a single point for any of them before they play Southampton, um, which is probably just a, a dead rubber because both of them will be down at that point. Um, they might be looking ahead to 13th of May where they're away to Chelsea and they're probably looking to get a goal difference up at that point uh, with the way things are going. But So I, I don't see this downward tra- trajectory changing for Nottingham Forest, but I wouldn't be surprised if they let them go and if there is a target that they have for next season who is going to be the championship. And I think no enough teams in the Premier League do this. Um, they didn't 
need to be realistic. They've got that parachute payment. I find the early sometimes even a month extra um, coming in coming in at the end of April instead of waiting for the first of June to get working with the, this group of players at least to suss out who you want to keep and who you want to move on. That can make all the difference in the Championship. It's a long, hard season, so getting the right start is big. I think Nottingham Forest would be wise to, um, if they've got somebody else in mind, move Steve Cooper on. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and, and I agree. I think they're, they're down. I think, I think they're gone. Um, but, but Jamie, we'll, we'll do one one game. We've got two games. I'm right in time. We've got two games because I always miss out a game. We've got two games to go. Um, so you can come to your other favourite team, Man United. Oh, you have other two, two favourite teams, Man United and Everton. Um, didn't enjoy this game at the weekend. I thought it was a bit. It was a bit of a, a bit of a nothing game, really. I have to say, Everton missed a really big chance with with Ellis Sims actually to to level the game up, which would have would have changed it a lot. But um, I thought Man United were always quite comfortable. I think they had 20, 21 shots in the first half. Pickford had a really yeah. good. Yeah, good off, and um, yeah, I think it was just a routine win in the end, really, for for Man United. Yeah, Man United at home against a struggling bottom of the table team. It's you know it was a probably a three points everybody would have predicted. Everton do have it in them to cause an upset, but not in the form that they're in. It's normally when they're trying to challenge for something that you would expect Everton to turn up. Um, yeah, I, as you can imagine, I had Man United on. Sorry, my Gutens, um, just to make sure that, you know, the knife was twisted in when Everton didn't get any kind of points. So it was no shock. It was no shock. Sorry, it was no surprise. The the one thing that has been a shock is, like, who the fuck is McTominay? What's this all about? Like, <laughs> we're, like absolutely mental that he's... he's and, and you know what? They're not even, like, tappings either. He's actually getting cracking shots away, like, in the box, drilling them in and stuff. Um, so... Um, he's just had a bit of form, isn't he? Um, and they're reaping it. Um, and, the, you know, I, I, I kind of said it back last week. I think Man United have been very, very different without Ericsson and Casemiro. And the last four or five games have been evidence of that. I think I could be wrong, but I think that's Casemiro's ban now done. So yeah. I think it comes back to the, to the you know, to the starting lineup. So I, I would anticipate a very different Man United. However, the the news was st- everybody's still waiting on the news about what's happened with Rashford. You know, he hobbled off after about seventy minutes with a hamstring. Um, there was talk about him going for a scan. So uh, uh, we're not sure if that's his season done and dusted. If it is, I would argue that's Man United season done and dusted um, because. Well, Veghorst isn't getting the goals. Jaden Sancho isn't getting the goals. Um, they're relying on Scott McTominay, who can only who's going to get dropped for Casemiro. So um, yeah, it's a bit of a a bit of a um, a damp squib um, talking about Manu at the moment because you just don't know what you're going to get from him. I think. No, absolutely, and uh, I think Everton will be looking at that game thinking, yeah, we'll, we'll look what's beyond uh, Man United at Old Trafford. So I'd be interested to see how they pick it up with it. the next one. Colin, the, the last game then at the weekend was a really dull one. Um, Fulham nil, West Ham won. First time West Ham um, won and kept a clean sheet in the Premier League since August. Um, their defence has been leaking goals. And then the other stat that made me laugh was uh, West Ham's first ever win in the Premier League where an own goal was the was the winner. So uh, the West Ham fans, are, it's a big win for them because it keeps Moyes, apparently if he had a drop points on on, on, um, on Saturday, he was gone, um, which I don't know how true it was. That was just sort of, sort of the rumours. And if you watch, his, I don't know if you see his post-match press conference, but I've never seen a man so happy to get three points. Um, but, you know, as I say, big win for him. 
Aye, but when we talk about getting to this end of the season, it's just I'm a big believer in teams making their own luck. So it's you know the the harder you work, the more you train, the luckier you get. That old cliche, and we've all predicted that David Moyes will keep West Ham up, and it must be it's excruciating for West Ham fans now because it's not pretty. But like going what I spoke about earlier with Bournemouth. No, everybody has the balls to go and try and make it pretty. No, everybody can make it pretty, but it's a big, big, big three points for West Ham, and that takes some three points above the the, the drop zone, if you like. Um, but just going back to that, sometimes it's just, it doesn't matter how you get there, as long as you get there. 23% possession West Ham had in that game there. Um, mental enough. Mental. <laughs> absolutely mental. Um, they... <laughs> <laughs> Fulham made 659 passes West Ham made 196 no even passed the ball 200 times in a game and they, and they win 1-0 but it doesn't matter yeah. Yeah, 3 points to 3 points at that end of the table and it's it's just bizarre but I, you know it, it's stuff like that when that happens you know it happens to, I don't see them going down, I think. I don't know how they're going to do it. Like They will scrape it, but it won't be pretty, but they will They will be fine um, for Fulham. Got a bit of the Brentfords about them, mind. they're starting to peter off towards the end of the season, aren't they? They've hit their highs. Um, be interesting to see how they're building that next year. But, um, that Manu um, FA Cup game is, is kind of the, the highlight, though, to, yeah. you know, the fact that they lost William and Mitrovic and the manager. That's their season pretty much done and dusted, and it's damage limitation now about how fucking Definitely. how quickly they drop. Yeah, no, no, I absolutely agree. And the way they lost that game, I think it, it, it took its toll. It's actually see as well, Fulham have lost the most London derbies out of any other uh, London club. You it's, love a start, Mason, didn't you? So, if they play another team in London, uh, don't put them in your acre. Um, <laughs> But gents, that's, that's all 10. Um, and it, as I said, we, we, we slowly got through them all. But um, as always, going to finish off with a, a little question. And uh, this one, mate, this one's giving me a headache. But uh, <laughs> Jamie, I'll, uh, I'll put it out to the listeners. I'll, I'll say the question first, but Jamie, I'll come to you first on it. Um, it's the Hall of Fame for the Premier League is going to, you know, an, another three inductees will be included um, shortly. Um, but the, the list is Tony Adams, So Campbell, Peter Cech, Andy Cole, Ashley Cole, Jermaine Defoe, Les Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, Gary Neville, Michael Owen, John Terry, Yaya Torre, and Nemanja Vidic. Um, I won't read that again, but that is such a quality uh, you, you, you love missing one, don't you? Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick yeah, as well. <laughs> and Michael Robbie Fowler. And Robbie Fowler. <laughs> listen, listen, Michael Carrick's getting nowhere near it, but Robbie Fowler's got a... Robbie Fowler's got a, a, a good shot, but, but Jamie, uh, I know there's going to be a Liverpool flower there, but um, I don't know why you would think that. <laughs> who's uh, who's your three? So, picks? so my three picks. I actually quite found this. E- I found this quite easy um, in terms of uh, the three that I would pick. If you go back a few weeks ago, um, and what I've tried to do is I've tried to mix it up so it's not all the same position. So uh, the first one for me out of that list would be arguably the best left-back we've ever seen in the Premier League, and that's Ashley Cole. I think because of exactly what we said a few weeks ago, you know, his honours list and and the the service that he did in terms of the teams, I think he's an absolute shoehorn, and I'd I'd fail to see why 
Tony Adams would get in before Ashley Cole for it, as an example. Um, so, yeah, he would be my first pick. My second pick, I'm going to go with Michael Owen. I'm an absolute Robbie Fowler little got, little lover. I love Robbie Fowler. But in terms of Premier League history, Michael Owen stands out because of his age. Michael Owen was the first Wayne Rooney, if you like. Um, he just never hit the same kind of heights um, as what we would have expected. And I might be a bit biased because obviously we, we you kind of have to factor in the England time as well when he was there, but it was for such a young lad and he won... Um, he won the the European, um, not the Ballon d'Or. He, he won the the second one down, didn't it? As as a as a personal. Well, he won the Ballon d'Or. Was it the Ballon d'Or? Sorry, uh-huh. I, I keep forgetting. So, you know, for for his his career, the, the lad was special. Um, his, his you know those runs in behind, he was absolutely sensational. So he will be my Liverpool pick, and the my third pick, and probably one of my favourite players from that list. Yaya Torre. Absolutely loved Yaya Torre. Um, I thought, when I think of him now, his big marauding lo- runs, um, he goes box to box, some of the important goals he scored. Um, he would fit in this Man City team now. He was that good. And I know, obviously, he was there when Pep when Pep came in. But I'm a massive fan of Yaya Torre and what he brought to, what, what he brought to that City team. Um, I, I'd put him down as yeah, one of my favourite midfielders from that, this generation. So, yeah, that's my picks. Ashley Cole, Michael Owen, and Yaya Torre I'm going for. No, three, three good picks and can't argue with anything you've just said there, Damien, to be fair. I think there's no wrong answer from this list, to be honest. I think it's just... Preferable. Michael Carrick's the wrong answer. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's why I missed him out. I missed him out on purpose. He shouldn't be on that. Um, Colin, uh, what's your three picks, mate? I've shaken my head when Jamie said he found it easy. I think um, I've had every variation of this over the last week <laughs> when I've been hanging about it. Um... So, so I've tried to balance it um, in between honours one because like um, <laughs> fellow um, fellow fellow Premier League uh, watchers will know uh, my thoughts on Harry Kane's career based on the fact that I many trophies he's won. So mm-hmm. I think honours one has to be a big thing. Longevity and talent in the player as well. So I'm trying to balance that and all my and the absolute the biggest one in there streaming out to me has to be Gary Neville. Just playing at the top level for so long, playing through different eras, and Jimmy was talking about like on an international stage as well, like what he done in the international stage and taking away for the Premier League. He's got a couple of Champions League medals um, in his bag, and I I think the further we get away from his um, his time of playing, the less credit he's going to get. Um, because he was in a team full of superstars, not just one team, but time and time again, Ferguson reshuffled that team, brought new players in, Ronaldo's gigs, um, even before that, Cantona, whatever, and Gary Neville was always a constant. He is there for me um, in the top one in the Hall of Fame. Next down, um, I'm going to agree with Jamie, uh, Ashley Cole, getting to win the Premier League with two different iconic squads, um, the, the Invincibles and then going into Jose Mourinho's uh, side as well and just it, it, it was very hard for him to go in and no just do just add to the run of the middle of the talent there he actually took that team up a notch um, 
And uh, I think he is, I know I've just spoken about Gary Neville being the first pick here, but I think he's the best fullback we've seen in the Premier League history, as we call. Absolutely such a talent. Probably won't get a lot of brownie points for this, man. But Big John Terry's my third pick. I know he's an absolute scumbag as a person, but as a football player, as a football player, I think he might be the best centre-half I've ever watched. Um, and see, when I was in high school, and you used to always do your World Elevens, and at that point you had your Cannavaro's, your Nessas, your Maldini's, whatever. I, I struggle to see a better centre-half in the world than John Terry at, at times uh, at his peak. And, you know, being the captain of Chelsea, he did drop a lot of brownie points for a couple of times, obviously, Dane, everybody's misses, and uh, being like a big Jesse when he lost the Champions League final when he's maybe a hard man <laughs> centre half, but he still makes it in for me. Or, or, or celebrating other people's trophies with full kits on that he didn't even play in. Listen, I was, I, I was shy at football, I was a super sub man, so I'd done the same thing there. So he's a man after my own heart. <laughs> nah, brilliant boys, can't, can't argue with any, any of those. And, um, probably probably showing our age a little bit, Colin, aren't we? But I, I, I would agree with you. Ashley Cole would be was my first pick, and John Terry was my my second pick. I think he was for me the best centre half in that in my generation. Um, he'd be my pick, but I'd pair him up with Rio Ferdinand as well because I thought Ferdinand was that. Ferdinand would have been my fourth pick. Right. Yeah, just just thing with Ferdinand is just he was different to all the, the, the older centre-halves. You know, you yeah. had Tony Adams, he, he's obviously in the list. Um, he, he, you know, Ferdinand was the first one, was that ball-playing centre-half, but he could yeah. he had a turn he had a turn of pace, he was strong. Um, obviously played for three Premier League clubs as well in, in, in West Ham and Leeds, and then to, to Man United. So I couldn't really leave them out. I can't believe I've gone with three defenders. Um, but as I say, I'm probably showing my, uh, showing my age a little bit there. But... Um, yeah, free Englishman and the longevity I've gone with as well. I think, as you said, Jamie Michael Owen is a great shout. He was so so good when he was yeah. breaking through. But I just think the longevity. Obviously, he went he went away for a little while, didn't he? And the injuries in the end as well. But uh, yeah, no wrong answer. So please get your who you think your three picks would be, and we can uh, discuss those. I'm surprised, Mason. I thought you would have went with three Chelsea players and put Pat Chuck in there. No, <laughs> no, no, no. No, no, got to be honest there. Got to, got to be honest. Um, but uh, no, may, maybe then for the next time, eh? Um, but, <laughs> no. but no, all we left to do, gents, is is uh, you know, thanks for coming on, starting Jamie. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. As always, love a good chat about the football. Um, the the good thing is that the football's absolutely mental right now with the decisions, so we get to talk about it even better. So yeah, I'm looking forward to next week's already. Yeah, I've had to talk about referees again. I don't know. <laughs> Lose me here. Uh, Colin, as always, thank you, mate. No, always a pleasure coming on, lads. Um, cheers for having me on. And I, it is a, a nice wee welcome break to talk about the you know the real stuff up north. It's nice to watch it. Having a wee bit of fun talking about football, it's always a welcome change. Ah, but yeah, definitely. I look forward to this. Look forward to this pod to get away from it. So, hopefully, Mason, next Mason I got a question for you. So, the tie of the round coming up this week looks to be Chelsea v Brighton. What's your predictions? Chelsea v Brighton. Yeah. Brighton, Brighton will beat him. You think Brighton will win? Yeah. I'll be frank on second loss in a row. Yeah, Brighton will beat him. There's no evidence I've seen Lampard and Chelsea that they'll beat Brighton. No way. Colin. Aye, um, Brighton will scud them one part of the week, sacked by Monday. <laughs> uh, I don't see any other way. Not that, we'll see his next Monday. <laughs> James, James called him to take over. 
thanks lads and uh listeners thanks thanks for listening we'll be back next week to review the madness take care